I'm Megan J. Robinson, and this is Creative Proofing, a space to think, feel, and design out loud. Every week, I explore the intersection of creativity, spirituality, and productivity, and what that looks like for each of us. In each episode of Creative Proofing, I'll dig into various questions, ideas, and topics by sharing what other thinkers, feelers, and doers have said, followed by my take, and then what it do for us going forward. Stick around to find out more. Hmm? Welcome to your heart. First, it's helpful to understand that we have three centers of intelligence, our head, our heart, and our body. And we tend to draw from or rely on one of those centers more often than the others. Our greatest potential for growth lies in the integration of all three centers when we engage each intelligence so that they all work together in concert, rather than atrophying from lack of use. As we recognize the primary center from which we understand, respond to, and interact with our world, we also recognize that we often ignore or distort the other center's intelligence available to us. Perhaps without realizing it, at some point we told ourselves that something about those other types of knowing was less trustworthy, useful, or valuable. And so, over time, we focused more intently on our dominant center. You know, sort of like weightlifting only on one side of the body while leaving the other side alone. It looks kind of weird, right? This week, we're focusing on the heart center. In ancient Near Eastern and Greek thought, the heart was considered the primary seat or home of human being, and from the heart flowed thoughts, affections, speech, actions, and life itself. Even today, we frequently refer to our personalities, values, and interests as our identity, as reflecting the heart of who we are, the collections and combinations of which are unique diverse, and sometimes deeply mysterious. We'll take a look at our heart centers, also called emotional intelligence or EQ, through the lens of the Enneagram. But rather than delve into the specific types, we'll just go over some general observations that connect the types within each center. We'll also take a look at some thoughts on love, which has generally been associated with the heart and what that means for knowing ourselves others, and our world. But first, just a quick note. I work from within the Christian tradition and understand the divine as the trinity of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That said, I know we all have different ways of understanding the divine, so if you wish to insert something else when I use that phrase, please feel free to do so. Understanding ourselves and others through the Enneagram seems to work well either way. Others have to say. As Drew Moser defines it, feeling or emotional intelligence is used for observing emotions in ourselves and others, interpersonal community, and relationship. Those who lead from the heart center trust their feelings and relational connections most. They find it distressing when relationships break down and work to restore their connections by seeking affection and approval. Those high in EQ may sometimes feel that gut intelligence or GQ folks are a bit judgy, 
and intellectual intelligence, or IQ folks, are somewhat unfeeling. Conversely, if you lead from a different center, you may find it difficult to identify or articulate the emotions you do experience, or even know what to do about them, or how they help or hinder your relationships with others. And let's be clear, everyone experiences emotions. Except maybe sociopaths? I don't know. And everyone at some point in their lives has been driven by their emotions. Attending to our heart center can help us gain greater clarity on what those emotions are and how to express them in healthy ways. As Calhoun and Lowridge observe, our hearts have their own neural system. When that system is healthy, working from the heart center includes authentically caring for and investing in relationships without requiring a response from others. But when it's not healthy, the heart center compels a constant desire for response, approval, and affection from others. If that response doesn't come, it can lead to a perception of the self as incompetent, inadequate, or just disconnected. Beatrice Chestnut suggests that those who primarily lead from their heart center experience deep sadness leading to shame because they perceive that they are not loved or accepted for who they are. Moser describes shame as a state of painful negative thoughts about oneself, humiliation or distress caused by the experience of being wrong or foolish. This can foster a preoccupation with developing or presenting an image to the world in the attempt to be seen, recognized, and welcomed. Because of this preoccupation, the heart center can provide a heightened need to connect and a corresponding ability to quote-unquote read interpersonal dynamics at the relational level. I kind of liken this to the whiskers on cats. Just like the sensory organs located at the tip of a whisker vibrate in response to the environment, high EQ can help navigate a dinner party or a work meeting in amazing ways. When experiencing that sense of shame, though, it can feel overwhelming, suffocating, and deflating. The only thing that can be seen is the shortcomings, failures, and pitfalls of one's efforts and how it distances from the connection so desired. The impulse to withdraw and isolate becomes paramount so as not to risk exposing the unwelcome parts. Again, Moser notes, it's a tragic cycle that drains generative discerning energy, redirecting it at our own self-loathing. This can lead to a sense of loneliness, confusion, and even being stuck. It may help to remember that we can have the feelings without being the feelings, which is to say this too shall pass. It may help. But just as the desire for connection and being known can lead us to some unhealthy places. That desire can also be an invitation to listen to the stories and voices that come into our lives and then decide which will be the loudest. Will it be shame and isolation? Or will it be connection and intimacy? David Benner affirms that love speaks to the depths of our soul when we yearn for release from our isolation and long for the belonging that will assure us that we are at last home. 
to be human is to have been designed for intimate relationship with the divine. This is why the yearning for connection is spiritual. Ronald Rollheiser suggests that the experience of loneliness and isolation could also spur us to consider what might exist beyond ourselves and our immediate concerns, what we might wish to give to others rather than store for ourselves. This could come through service, sacrifice, or even community. What does the world need that I could make or provide? The world can be your neighborhood, your community, your home, however you define it. Love, as we will see later, should be understood as a whole body action, not solely in the realm of your heart center. I know the Beatles told us that all you need is love, but actually, I think it's where you start. Welcome to your heart. So here's what I have to say. Since my enneotype is the four, I understand leading from the heart center very well. From personal experience, I can say that I cherish my capacities for connection, relationships, and understanding emotions, both mine and others. That said, it's also my experience that those same capacities have provided some of my deepest wounds, hardest struggles, and longest lessons over the years. I've had periods of my life when I've even numbed myself emotionally, thinking that if I understood the problems, I didn't have to feel the problems. It worked for a time, but excavation was a bitch. Sometimes I describe myself as an emotional weathermane, susceptible to shifts in the air and liable to wild swings depending on the people I'm with, or the currents in the room, or even just the day. When I'm in a good space, I recognize these shifts and hold them loosely, knowing that I can maintain equilibrium. When I'm not in a good space, everyone's problems become my problems. And sometimes it takes a while to realize that I've absorbed all these emotions into my own. All that to say, I'm great to have around if you want to kvetch, cry, or otherwise vent. I share this because I see great value in giving space and attention to our emotions and our emotional intelligence. Recognizing that some of us may have to travel farther to do so than others. While staying in some emotional spaces may not always be healthy, I hope you'll find ways to validate those emotions that are yours to feel, express, and connect with others as you see fit. Okay, all right, great and all, but what does it all mean for me? So to recap first, the heart center includes being highly relational, in tune with emotions and connections to others. It also includes recognizing that feelings can sometimes overwhelm and even betray other truths. It also includes recognizing that overuse or misuse of our emotions and our intelligence, that emotional intelligence center, can lead to oversensitivity, insensitivity, or emotional manipulation. And it also includes knowing that anxiety and stress 
can manifest as shame. If you already lead from your heart center, this may feel like old news. But perhaps you've wondered how to gain some objectivity or how to help others identify and articulate their own emotions better. Or perhaps you just want to gain some skills in navigating your relationships. Here's some ideas. When you find yourself getting quote-unquote emotional, don't write that off right away. If you can, take a few minutes to sit or walk with it, and notice how it ebbs and flows across your awareness. If you need to get back to a conversation or a situation right away, still try to take a few moments to practice box breathing as a way to let the emotion wind down, rather than just stuffing it away in a dark corner. At the end of the day, take a few moments to reflect on your experience of those emotions. What was the first one you felt? What about the secondary emotion? If you're a parent, think back to the last time you snatched your kid from the jaws of death, right? You probably started yelling at them for being careless, which was anger, and that was probably actually driven by sheer terror. We never feel just one emotion. Make note of the circumstances around those emotions. Was there something that could have redirected the situation? Is this how you typically react in similar circumstances? Is there something you'd like to do differently? If you find that you can't even identify what you're feeling, or if someone else has that difficulty, buy or make emotion flashcards, or duplicate my Notion template to help you pick out the ones you're feeling at the moment. Even just that practice of sorting through options can help provide some distance, clarity, and calm, which may take some of the pressure off to get things figured out right away. Above all, here's what I hope you take away today. A healthy heart intelligence reminds us to connect with and consider others, trust our values, and cultivate vulnerability in our relationships. Let me know how it goes. If you enjoyed this episode of Creative Proofing, please like and share with others you might as well. You can subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts. If you'd like to read, you can also subscribe to the Creative Proofing newsletter at creativeproofing.substack.com.